Welcome to Crime Conversations, the true crime podcast brought to you by CrimeCon UK, the ultimate true crime weekend. In the lead up to CrimeCon in London on September 25th and 26th, each week we're bringing two of our favourite podcasts together to find out more about their fascination with true crime. Each conversation will explore subjects including how they got involved in true crime, the cases that have stuck in their mind, the process behind their podcast, and what they think makes a great true crime show. We'd also like to say a big thank you to all those true crime fans who sent questions to ask our guests. To find out who we'll be featuring on the podcast across the season and for more information on our London event, check crimecon.co.uk or visit our Instagram page at crimecon underscore UK. Let's find out who's on this episode. Hi, I'm Bethan. And I'm Mark. And we are the hosts of Seeing Red, a true crime podcast. So we are a couple of friends who get together every week and we take it in turns to tell each other about a true crime case. Hi, I'm Morgan. And I'm Cherry. And we are the hosts of Crimepedia. Crimepedia is a weekly podcast and we predominantly cover cases from all over the world, cold cases usually, but we do every so often chat about an active case if needs be. And these crimes that we talk about are never glorified and all the victims are given the utmost respect. And we produce ours every week at the end of our episodes. We do like to have a bit of fun and we have a dumb criminal element to our show. So hopefully you'll leave with a smile rather than too sad, ready for the next week's episode. It's interesting what you guys say um, about having a section at the end so that people leave with a smile. Bethan will always try and end on a positive note. I can never achieve it, but Bethan's really good <laughs> at putting a positive spin on the worst case that we've ever covered. So she's truly unique for that. I do try, but I love the idea of a dumb criminal. That sounds incredible. <laughs> I know. <laughs> really Why didn't we come up with this? Yeah. So um, I I really wanted to dive in, actually, and talk to you guys about Jill Dando, because I know that we have mm. both covered that case so you guys mm-hmm. have covered it and um, I've not listened to your episode on it yet so I just wondered what was it that drew you to Jill Dando to cover her unsolved murder? I think it was because here it's very well known in, in England but in America it's not and so I really wanted to have the opinion from somebody who totally didn't know anything about it because over here it's like a household she's a household name we all know the case maybe not necessarily the nitty-gritty of the case but we all know it and I wanted to see what Morgan would think about it when I explained it to him and he's got a really good different perspective to me on things it was really interesting to to go with him to that and see see what he thought first I've been surprised that it's unsolved this is a case when you break it down and you look at the facts and you look at the, the time of the day that it occurred it makes no sense to me that no one saw anything really right we, we you have some some witnesses that heard things but there was like no good witness who said yeah I saw a male that was five foot eight. So it, it's shocking to me that this case is, you know, so old and there's really no resolution that seems to be out mm. there. It is. It's you, absolutely crazy, isn't it? That just nobody still, nobody knows anything. It's mm. mad. I am the the map guru on our show. <laughs> so it, a lot of times when we're doing these cases, I have maps up so I can understand the area that we're talking about. And with Jill Dando and where her her house was 
we're talking the middle of a middle of a residential street. It's, you know, good distance from the the street, you know, cross street. So it's like, how, how did no one see anyone walking down the street? How did no one really see anyone get in a car, drive away? It, so it's, it's so strange to me. Yeah, it's a, it's a really, really bizarre case. I think I remember Jill Dando as a child growing up and watching her, of course, present Crime Watch, which for anybody listening overseas, it's a UK show where the public could phone up basically <laughs> and help to solve crimes. Mm. Jill was a presenter of that show for a number of years in the 90s. It was a huge show and she'd just started rehearsals for uh, the next episode of that show because it was released monthly when she was murdered. And there was just this brutal irony in Jill being the victim of a most brutal crime herself. So it was one that always fascinated me because I was so obsessed with Crime Watch and I think that was what really started me on on this path of having a, a true crime podcast. So yeah, it was one that we were always going to cover, but so sad that it remains unsolved. That's so sad for her family. Yeah, to mm. me, th- I mean, this is one of those crimes that screams stalker to me. Someone who is yeah. obsessed with her. Yeah, I think, I mean, we covered off a number of theories with this one. Do you guys tend to, because I know you cover a lot of unsolved crimes, do you tend to talk about possible theories would you speculate on that we often do and i feel bad for doing it sometimes but i just wondered you guys do that we do and i think that's part of it i mean part of doing a a true crime podcast is you kind of have to look at every single door and every single possibility that's out there this is why i enjoy doing the show with cherry is because when she's doing these uk cases i don't know them because we have enough cases here in the united states that we don't really hear anything from the uk so these are all new to me So with Stuart Lubbock, she's telling me the case. And I think everyone has this general idea of what occurred that night. But as I'm listening to it, I'm I'm hearing things. And and I think I I suggested to you, I said, well, um, what was Jonathan and Justin? What were they doing in in the master bedroom for 20 minutes? Okay, and so it's like these two are paired up. I said, well, what would cause someone to be so angry with someone that they would, you know, sodomize them? They would sexually assault them and end up killing them. I said, what if Stuart, you know, had said something to Justin's sister, right? Maybe he was like coming on to Justin's mm. sister and and that kind of pissed him off. And then you have Jonathan Kenny who is showing him a te- or he's, you know, what was it Jonathan Kenny or was it Barrymore who was showing him attention? No, Barrymore was showing him attention and Jonathan right. Kenny, as his boyfriend, was not happy about it. So yeah, so you have two yeah. people. You have Jonathan Kenny who's not happy with Barrymore showing him attention. You have Justin, who's there with his sister. Maybe, maybe Stewart's showing her attention. He's not liking that. So you have two people that possibly aren't happy with this guy because of unwanted attention. So these are, to me, they became like, okay, these are probably the two most likely guys to have done something that night. So yeah, I think speculation mm-hmm. that, like that can be good and it can be helpful. And also, I think you can see it from a different point of view. That's the other really good thing. With us being like um, the American justice system is very different to our justice Mm -hmm. system. And sometimes like Morgan will say something and I think, well, hang on, how can you get away with that? And he's like, oh, no, that's how it is here. This is what we do. And I'm like, whoa, why don't we do that in England? Like, why aren't our levels of murder like that? And it's just it's really a good way when we look through stuff it's good to go over things and think about what we think might have happened so the same as you guys do i think you said that you were kind of i don't say leery but you kind of feel bad about speculating what do you think that is i listened to your uh, first ever episode so it's kind of like an introduction to your show mm-hmm. and um i know you talk about 
you're always very res- respectful to the victims and their yeah. families. And of course, we, we always aim to do the same. But mm. I'm just always really conscious that, that a family member could be listening to yes. the show at that point, because a lot of people have Google alerts. I'm not saying we're a huge show, but if we release an episode, it goes on online and that could ping up. So I just I sometimes put myself in their shoes and, and feel bad because I think, how would I feel if somebody was speculating on my son's murder yeah. um, or my brother's murder? However, we, we have had a lot of really positive feedback where we've done that mm-hmm. on an unsolved case, because I think the conversation that we're having is really important and it gets people thinking and it gets people talking about it as well. And, and the more people that are talking about an unsolved crime, the better that is, because the more chance it has of being solved, which is, you know, the ultimate for us, I think, yeah. for, for, for us to cover an unsolved case and somebody to come forward with, with information. We've been really lucky in that most of the cases that we've done, we have spoken to family members. We've also spoken to law enforcement and we've managed to get to speak to people that are right there at the center of it and so we kind of get a good idea of what's going on some of the bigger cases we haven't like obviously with Jill Dando that's that was gone with other stuff but with cases say such as the Stuart Lubbock case a huge case but we managed to get to speak to the family and to find out a rough idea of what people were thinking was happening and then we've explored those avenues further and then it seems that we've had quite a lot of input from our listeners that are like, well, what about this? What what if this happened? And so I think that's really I think that's really good to come back. And I think all it takes is the right person to be listening. And a case, like you say, could then be blown wide open. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that's one of the real benefits of doing things, something like this, where you have a co-host as well, because you can have the back and forth. And some of the things you might come up with if it's just yourself sat there, you'd kind of say it to the listener and potentially talk on social media. But quite often as well, like me and Mark will disagree with things as well. And we'll sort of say to each other, you oh, know, why not? Why not this or why not? Sorry, guys. That's my dog. He'll calm himself down. I've got minute, an opinion too. Woof, woof. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. He's agreeing Look. with you, Bethan. He's, agreeing. He's got something to say. Yeah. <laughs> What do you guys think has been like the the case that you think that you might have covered that might get solved? Is there a case that you think like you're close, people are close to solving? There's definitely one that just immediately comes to mind for me. And it's the unsolved murder of Penny Bell, uh, which we covered Mm -hmm. around about a year ago. And um, we're at the 30 year anniversary now. So Penny was Penny was a mum of two in her 40s. And she had her own business in London and she was commuting Mm. to work one weekday morning. And uh, there were a number of sightings of Penny in her car. She was in uh, quite a distinctive blue E-type Jaguar, I think it was. And there was a man on the passenger seat and it, it appeared that the two were having an altercation. Um, so Penny pulled into a leisure centre car park on the outskirts of West London. And um, an hour later, her body was discovered. She'd been stabbed, I think it was over 50 times. Oh, no. It was a brutal murder in broad daylight. There would have been blood all over the assailant and and this guy had got away. And we, we're at the 30-year anniversary of, of this now. And we've spoken with Penny's daughter, Lauren, a little bit around this. And Lauren's doing so much work to try and bring this case back back into the public domain because again as you said cherry you only need one person who saw something or who knows what happened and whose loyalties have since changed perhaps you only need that one person Mm -hmm. to come forward I, i really believe i think with a case like this with it gaining momentum 
uh, this year on the 30 year anniversary. I just I just have a feeling with it that it could well be solved this year. And I wouldn't attribute any of that to us covering it. That would be down to the hard work of the family in, in getting it back yeah. in the newspapers and on TV. But I just think I would love to see a resolution and, and some closure for the family. What about you, Bethan? I do think that um, it is, it's really interesting when even if something necessarily doesn't get solved or doesn't get a resolution, just having those conversations and still having people knowing about what happened. We had a guy get in touch with us because we covered his dad's case and then he got in touch with us and he did an interview with us and his dad had been shot in an altercation and officially it's not classed as a murder. It's really interesting because he got in touch with us and at first we were kind of like, oh my God, this guy's message, like this could be, it could go both ways. But Mm. actually he was so grateful that we'd covered his dad's case. He was grateful that we'd seen it from their side of things. Like my opinion is that it was murder. And then for him to do an interview with us, it's just kind of keeping things in kind of the public domain for him and his family. And so, yeah, it's, It's really special when you're able to do something that's not purely recording a case for your listeners. You're actually doing Mm. something for somebody as well. Exactly. No, I totally agree with you. Have you guys got a case that you'd like to hope would be solved or you think is going to be close or anything like that? This January, we covered two cases. The first one was the Breckenridge murders, who, and then the second one was Stuart Lubbock. Since we recorded those in January, there have been arrests made in those two cases. So we were lucky that that occurred. Wow. So it is possible. Oh, wow. So it, do, it does does occur. It's the most wonderful feeling to wake up in the morning and have a text from Cherry saying, you know, they made arrest in Stuart Lubbock's case or and you I think you did it for Breckenridge too. Like there was arrest in, <laughs> for the Breckenridge yeah. case. Everything happens when you're asleep in our podcast. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> Everything happens when I'm Amazing. asleep. And I wake up and she, you've been up for like 8 hours already. It's like, "Hey, been arrest." Um going yeah. forward, I th- think we have cases i think there should have been arrest already but for whatever reason they're not i think there's two that we've done recently which i think could be solved shortly i think one is um the disappearance of patty adkins which we had just done um about a month or so ago now patty is a uh is a local case to me so i'm in columbus ohio and she lived in marysville which is like a uh, you know small city just outside of columbus and she had a boyfriend and that boyfriend happened to be married. And during a like a like a work holiday, they were planning on going to Canada. But he had told her some weird things like, "Don't pack any clothes. Don't pack anything. We're gonna we'll get whatever so we need. We'll get whatever we need when when we make it there." Yeah, so, so weird. that was weird. There was um, they were gonna stay in a remote cabin somewhere in Canada, but they had not reserved a, a place. Anyways, she never <laughs> she never came home. And this boyfriend also had been loaned, what was it, like almost $100,000 by Patty. So I think this one's going to be solved. And I think it's going to come down to DNA. I think they did find some blood splatter or at least one piece of blood splatter. And I think think it's going to be one of these cases that DNA will solve. And I think it will be soon. Cherry, what about you? With the DNA and the genealogy now that's being used so much, Mm -hmm. I think it's going to blow open some, some cold cases. Uh, quite a few I think a- every one that there is that that they've kept that kind of stuff there's a possibility that now with the with the stuff we've got now that you know it, it could be solved they, I want them all to be solved but 
I, I always say the same. I think there's you can never write off a, a cold case now with no. with advances, constant advances in DNA and forensic science. We just know that that mm. there will come a point. You can never you have committed a, a crime if you've committed a murder, say twenty, thirty years ago. Uh, you can't actually now think that I've got away with that. You oh, should yeah. be expecting a knock at your door because mm. there are so many advances, and we do see crimes that are solved decades later, mm-hmm. um, which I think is is fascinating to see. Brilliant. So I think those those olden days where you could commit a crime probably more easily and certainly get away with it, that, that doesn't really happen as much now. And we, we've, of course, got CCTV as well. It comes up an awful lot in a lot of cases that we cover. When it's turned on. <laughs> when it's turned on or when it's like kind of decent, yeah. non-grainy yeah. images. Yeah, you'd be surprised the amount of rubbish CCTV mm-hmm. that's out there. Yeah. Which is funny, I was actually a case that I, I've been thinking about doing. It's actually from New Zealand, Auckland, New Zealand. And this is a case that was solved because of CCTV, because Auckland has so many CCTV cameras. And so basically everything was captured. It was it's insane. So it's like you have a place That's like good. Auckland, New Zealand, where it's like they have hours of footage of, of the murderer. And then you have a place, you know, you have you could do a crime, let's say, in London or wherever. And it's like, oh, well, for whatever reason, the CCTV wasn't on that day or they got mm. they deleted it. It's insane. It's frustrating. So I talked a little bit about my fascination with Crime Watch and uh, watching that as a as a kid, and I think that had a massive impact on me and my later fascination with true crime. I just wondered with you guys, what do you think prompted your interest in in this kind of world that we inhabit? I'm the same as you. Crime Watch for me when I was a kid, I used to watch it with my nan, and we we used to watch it all the time. So Crime Watch was probably. The reason I think I started getting into true crime and I used to swap crime books with my granddad. So we used to read them, swap them, read them, swap them. And so, yeah, from a really young age, we used to used to watch that. That and the craze. I was quite as yeah. really, really fascinated by the whole workings, inner workings of the of the craze. And so I think, yeah, that hand in hand kind of did that. You've got the same over in America, haven't you? There's a there's a program the same because you're the same as me with the whole TV stuff. Well, I don't know what the craze is, though. Oh, the craze. Yeah. <laughs> no, I have no idea. Like she's talking about the craze. I have no idea what, what what you're talking about. Okay, so the craze are and they were like gangland in London. The, the okay. craze are brothers um, who were notorious for sort of criminal underworld in London. Okay, and so they basically ran everything. And they were, I personally think that you know they were they were great in their time they um they cleaned up a lot of mess they were obvi- they also caused a lot of hassle no people are really divided on whether they are good or say, whether wow. they are bad cherry <laughs> this is this is quite a divisive opinion i know i know some people yeah, love I, we, them some people hate them yeah we certainly have a rich um history i think mm. i'm sure every country does but uh, particularly around that time uh, in the 60s 60s london they they did mm. kind of rule it uh, yeah. they owned it essentially uh, but they were notorious for their uh, sort of obscene amounts of violence that they oh, wow. actuated in order to get I their own way but the, they are like a legend they had all this violence but then they were like good to their mum and yeah. they were like that side of things it, it's such a like bizarre twist for them that they were you know like family guys but also yeah really gonna, brutal and violent i have to look this yeah. up this is fascinating to me now once you start we're gonna have a lot of conversations about them this is rabbit hole territory it really so, is. Yeah. 
So is it America? Am I right in thinking, Morgan, that it's America's most wanted? Is that kind of your version uh, of Crime no. Watch? Well, yeah, sort of. I was never into the America America's Most Wanted growing up. I was a Unsolved Mysteries fan. I loved Unsolved Mysteries. Oh my god, I love that. So I remember watching it like when it first started. So it started in 1988, and actually, this is well, Robert Stack was a longtime host, but there was actually I think yeah. um, there were two special hosts prior. So they were like they so Unsolved Mysteries when it started, it wasn't like a weekly show. It was like a like a one off special, and then they did a follow up. And I think one of them was like Ray bradbury who was like the host of unsolved mysteries but then robert stack came in and robert stack when legend legend, he's he's a scary ass man (laughs) oh he frightens me when i watch these old episodes i think i've watched them on on youtube he's scary that he is there's something haunting about him here this is how scary the show was to me like it wasn't every case was scary but there were two times in particular i remember being scared shitless and (laughs) Sorry to the editor if you have to cut, cut out cussing, but I was scared shitless. I can't remember what the case was, but I remember after I was after I watched it, I had to go to bed. I was probably in elementary school, maybe like so. I was probably like around maybe ten years old or something like that. And I remember at the top of my stairs, there we had a window, and but the the, the curtains were open. And I remember it must have been. I think it was a, it was like um, a ghost story that was on Unsolved Mysteries that day. But when I got to the top of the stairs, I had to crawl under the stairs because I was convinced <laughs> if I were to look out that window at that very moment that there would be a ghost there <laughs> watching me because of Robert Stack. The other one, there was a case about like a serial arsonist in California who he would like burn down houses, barns, whatever, but he would record it and he would like have this like manacle laugh as this, these houses were burnt down and so police ended up finding this tape like on the side of the road and they had it on unsolved mysteries after i watched that and in you know robert stack scared the hell out of me again i was convinced that this guy was going to come to my house and burn down my house because i watched that episode <laughs> oh no but yeah oh, that's why unsolved, children should not watch unsolved mystery it was fantastic but it it was not for the fan of heart when you're that little it's so it was yeah. freaky <laughs> I I kind of see parallels with Crime Watch. One of the um, powerful parts of that show, they would generally um, feature three different cases per Mm. episode, but it was the reconstructions, which I know they do in Unsolved Mysteries. And there's just like this real sense of impending doom because Mm. you know that something really bad's going to happen and you're going to see it. So I think Unsolved Mysteries, I definitely got a similar vibe when I watched that as to what, what I would feel when I watched Crime Watch. Yeah, I think... Um, that's fascinating, yeah. I, I've watched some Crime Watch. Whenever we do a case that was covered on Crime Watch, I would try to find it to see if I can check, you know, yeah. Yeah. check it out. So Crime Watch definitely is a little bit more of the... Along the lines of, like, America's Most Wanted, mm. where it's more... Um, I always looked at Unsolved Mysteries as being entertainment, right? Yeah, so it, yeah. it, it was more entertainment, even though they, you know, hey, if you have any information, call this number. I feel like uh, America's Most Wanted was more uh, factual, more mm. more like a news program mm. than an entertainment like program. Yeah. 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 What about you, Bethan? What prompted your fascination in true crime? I'm so similar to Morgan because as well as reading things like Agatha Christie and like mm. the mystery oh, kind of yeah. books and stuff, my mum had a couple of books, but it would terrify me as a child, books about like yetis and stuff <laughs> like that. And it would be like UFOs and things like that, that would really kind of grip me. And I'd be thinking this is really terrifying. And then that's what kind of got me to then read about 
true crime cases. And I remember the first true crime book I read was about Charlie Manson and the Hell's Oh, no way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I would have been like twelve. Yeah, oh, was I oh, doing no. reading that. Yeah, um, but yeah, it was it was like fiction to begin with, and and murder mysteries. Yeah, and yeah, it's definitely they're trying to solve something. I think that's that's the best bit for me, mm. and I get behind it all and try and work out what's gone on and why. I love Agatha Christie. I love um, like Sherlock Holmes. I love all those kind of like yeah, definitely. I love that kind of stuff. I read loads of that kind of stuff. Poirot and I love yeah brilliant oh absolutely brilliant this is the most British thing ever I know <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> this is, this is oh come on it's not so British no no that is who dropped Poirot what, what do you say Poirot 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 okay here we go (laughs) take the mickey out of my accent rubbish three against one oh yeah i know we're on your side this is good i got back up this week (laughs) how did you guys meet how did you bring your podcast to life we worked together and we'd always talk about cases um if there was a bit of downtime or something had happened we'd always be talking and then Mark got into listening to True Crime podcasts and he got me into listening to them. So I'd walk to work and I'd be listening to a case on the way. Aww. And then he started going, we should do our own. We should do this. We should do this. And how long do you think it was, Mark, of me saying, nah, you're not going to stick to that until we actually did it? I reckon I had to kind of wear you down over <laughs> about three months and I was like, we can do this, Bethan. I knew that Bethan would be really good at it yeah. because um, she's just got a great kind of presenting style. But also we, we would just talk, as Bethan said, we talk so much about cases that had been in the news or really prominent cases perhaps that were unsolved and we talk about our theories and really the idea of our show was to just kind of put that on air and release it and we we thought maybe like two people will listen to it mm-hmm. um, so we were amazed when you know more than two people listen I just knew that we could do it and I, I knew that we um, we'd enjoy doing it as well and I think definitely we still do uh, because and I would say we more enjoy it now because of the interaction of our listeners and and also people that are involved in cases uh, we quite often do have them get in touch directly with us and and we talk to them so um so we enjoy it probably for different reasons now but um i still enjoy it as much as i did when we started i hope the same is for you bethan yeah no absolutely because the thing was is i was like oh does he realize how much work it's gonna be no is he i gonna didn't stick with this <laughs> is he gonna actually keep going are we gonna start this and then it turns into nothing um and i think i actually told you to like bring me a proposal of i, I think name i did and i <laughs> yeah i came up with the name back to me brilliant I, I came up with a whole proposal and presented it to her um but Beth knew, knew me too well because she was like yeah this is kind of obsessed with this right now you're going to be bored of it in <laughs> in about two months and we'll have kind of put all this time into it and you'll be like oh I can't be bothered with that anymore um so I'm shocked to myself that we're still going I think we've done <laughs> I don't know we must have done 120 episodes oh, so wow, far yeah. um, I think so, the thing is is I just didn't quite get that you were actually that passionate you really just proved me wrong which is wonderful that's not that's not that's the only time yeah. I'm, I've ever been right I would say <laughs> um <laughs> Beth and Beth and usually gets everything right, and I'm I'm usually wrong. But yeah, it's um I think I think we've got a really good balance because I'm I'm probably a bit sort of weirder with some of my theories, and Beth and will bring me back down to earth, and uh, we can have then quite a sensible conversation. 
um, that's quite varied around some of the crimes. So, and um, I think so, our yeah, listeners enjoy that you're like silly and a bit outrageous, and you'll come up with comments and things. And then there's me, just like your mum, like oh, Mark. <laughs> Bethan is basically my mum. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I get I get told off more from Bethan than my mum because my mum listens to the show, and I, I will say some awful things at times. And my mum never gets in touch to say oh, you shouldn't have said that, and she doesn't need to because Bethan will chastise me in real time, <laughs> and then whip all of our listeners up into also having a go so i love yeah. it really though so. <laughs> so what about you guys how, how did how did this come about because obviously through the power of technology it's amazing that you can now link up one of you in america one in the uk how did it come about i stole him from another podcast <laughs> i was his voiceover yeah and um and so i did the voiceover to the end of his other show and then his other co-host was taking a break and I just whipped in, stole yeah. him, and we started a new one. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We've we've never met ever. Never no. met. Wow. We've not known, yet. No, not yet. We've known each other now for what about two years now? I think. Yeah, but yeah. So we knew each other beforehand. Hmm. We actually met on through Discord, I believe. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And so we became friends there, and we had our like our super secret group of friends. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And so then I end up uh, starting a, a podcast with another guy who has another podcast. I mean, it went. It was fine for a while. And it, yeah, it, it was, was good. weird. It was good. It was strange. Hmm. It was. I don't. I don't know what you would call it. But then he. He's extremely busy, and he had to take a break. It wasn't really a crime podcast, of what you no, were doing, was no, it? No. It was kind of like we two would guys talk. In a shit. We would talk. Yeah, we would talk <laughs> some some crimes sometimes, but mostly yeah. it was whatever was on his mind is what we what we talked about. So we talked about everything and everything. anything. Everything and anything. Yeah. So I think Cherry probably knows more about me and him than I know about me and him <laughs> from listening to the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but then when he took a break and he wasn't really feeling it anymore. And like I said, he has his own podcast, which is full time job. So, yeah, I wasn't ready to, to throw in the towel. And so I, I was like, okay, let's do true crime. You know, that's because that's what really got me into it. And Cherry, you were starting your own thing. I was just starting my own. Yeah. But I had you come in and, and you did, I think, three episodes with me. And then after that third episode, yeah. I'm like, why why don't we just do this together? Yeah. And we did. So I just canceled my podcast and we started together. Yeah. Yeah. And it yeah, works. I love that. I, That's pretty good fun. And it works well. And I think I like the dynamic. Yes. And I like it a lot because, you know, she's covering these cases that I've never heard of because, like I said earlier, we have plenty to cover from the United States alone. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, in, in these cases, I probably would not have, I would not have looked <clears throat> into, you know, myself. I think a lot of times when we do our intros and outros, I tend to get the laugh from you. But during the <laughs> yeah. show, when we're actually covering the case, Cherry is the one, surprisingly, Cherry is the one that has like the off the wall comments. It always gets me. <laughs> we have a lot of outtakes. <laughs> well, yeah. You like, yeah, we have a few of those. We have, yeah, a ton of outtakes. Yeah. I think we could make a whole show out of us. I think last week your comment was <laughs> incredible. I don't think you can bend it in to get it in there oh, what was it okay yeah so yeah it was so i was like i'm we had a case where this guy unfortunately had been murdered but the part of this his oh i don't want to say this on the semen. so okay so his semen was found inside himself as well as all over himself and i was like whoa hang on what and so he was explaining and I was like, okay, I'm not a doctor, but there's no way you can bend that round there. <laughs> and of course it was just like, oh no, I said that out loud. <laughs> so, oh my God. 
Yeah. To be honest, Cherry's got a good point. So yeah. she's just saying what everybody everybody would have been asking at home. I was just like, whoa, hang on. That doesn't work. I think, I think some of the conversations that you could just never in a million years think that you would end up talking out loud about some of these things that, <laughs> oh, yeah. that you cover. Sometimes I'll, I'll, we'll put photo collages together for different episodes that we'll then post on social media, these kind of collages. And um, usually it's photos of, of the victim or uh, the the assailant but sometimes say for example like drugs feature um, in an episode we might then uh, use like a stock image from somewhere of uh, somebody snorting lines of cocaine or whatever so <laughs> yeah. I then go through my phone and look at look through my photos and I've oh, literally no. got, I've got someone you know oh, hoovering no. up lines of cocaine in one photo <laughs> then I'll have some someone putting like lipstick on a pig in the next one and I'm just like if anybody objective looked at these photos oh, they would yeah. really uh, ask some some serious questions about me can oh, you imagine no. if we were being investigated? If you looked oh, at our no, search history, yeah. oh, we would yeah. be in so much trouble. We'd, we'd oh, be yeah. done. Oh, my God. It done would be awful, yeah. At least you could kind of go, look at my show. Here's yeah. why. You'd have a bit yeah. of a reason. But then I think they'd kind of say, well, look at your show and look at what you're kind of obsessed with. And this is <laughs> yeah. uh, like a Hollywood film script, you know, the yeah. true crime fanatic becomes uh, the true crime perpetrator. How long does it take for a body to bleed out? I was like, well, let me just Google that. And it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. no, if, if someone looks at if somebody looks at this, they're like, OK, why were you? You can just hear it in a podcast and looked at her search engine. And it was how long does a body bleed out? And how long can you keep someone underwater? How do you kill someone with no trace? And we'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> Do you guys find that uh, because obviously we're, we're kind of in the same boat, aren't we? So we're kind of taking deep dives into often horrific crimes that have occurred mm. um, on a regular basis. Do you find, how do you find that affects you in terms of your own mental health, um, the way that you perceive danger or perceive the world around you? I think I am very good at separating the true crime world from my other world. So the hardest thing for me is making sure that I have time to stop, you know, stop the research, stop looking into different possibilities and to just do something else, be with my family, just take my mind away from it. Because if I can't, I I could not be able to, to have, you know, these crimes, looking into these true crimes 24 seven, it would wear Mm. you down and you would you'd have to come to a breaking point. So I I dedicate specific times that this is when I'm going to be looking into cases. This is when I'm going to be doing my research. Outside of that, I'm done. I got to mm. walk away. Ethan, I don't know about you, but are you more like aware if you're walking somewhere on your own and especially like if it's dark, are you more like I take notice of what everyone's wearing. Mm-hmm. I make sure that if a car's driving slowly, I check the car out. And I don't know whether that's a woman thing or whether that's just a true crime podcaster thing. But I tend I think I'm much more aware than the average Joe. I think it's a true crime podcast thing, but also a woman thing, definitely, as well. We were having a really good conversation on our social media recently with our listeners, and a lot of the guys kind of were saying that they didn't. E- it didn't even occur to them that they could potentially be seen as a bit of a threat or mm. a worry. Um, but yeah, and I've said to Mark before, and he's always taken the mick out of me, but if I hear like a weird noise, I'll like try and remember what the time was or like what it, where it came from. Or like if, if a yeah. car's being really suspicious, I'll take their number plate. 
and yeah. yeah I like I mean if I'm gonna get a taxi I'll always like send the details to my other half to be like this is what I'm doing and I can see it from like from your perspective being female I can I can see there's like a different dynamic to it for me uh, the the only thing that it's probably made me more aware of is just kind of security around the home whereas mm. I would easily go to bed and leave the front door unlocked when you read about horrible things that happen just because of chance that somebody happened to uh, be in the wrong place at the wrong time it does make you think and it's stupid but yeah I always always lock the doors now because I, I we've covered cases or I've heard about cases where people have invaded someone's home um, just on the off chance because they could get in it was unlocked and and that's um, resulted in in a horrible murder or um, that person being assaulted whilst their home's robbed. So I'm definitely more security conscious as a result. And and also occasionally I have I have moments where I worry that we've covered some really high profile criminals. So we've covered Kenneth Noy. Um, oh. he's, he's responsible for um, all sorts of horrible crimes uh, mm. in the going back to Brinks Matt. He was involved in that in the 80s. Uh, he's been in prison for murder. And we we did a whole episode on him. Beth and put it together. It was a brilliant episode, and we we talked around him and probably laughed at his expense a little bit, um, because we have zero respect for him based on what he's done. And again, you just have a moment where you think, God, what if he? It's not beyond the pale that he he won't listen to it. He could listen mm. to this, yeah. and. I'm I'm always conscious about what's kind of online and having my not having my address out there and stuff like that because it's extremely unlikely that anybody would come and seek any kind of revenge but that's one possible theory mm. with Jill Dando's murder for example so she obviously presented crime watch and one of the theories there is that an underworld criminal took mm. offense at an appeal that she made that they were perhaps involved in and sought their revenge you know, I've never really thought of it like that. That's interesting. And now it's, you're going to be scared. Now I'm going to be really overthinking. <laughs> I'm sure it's overthinking, so you'll be fine, Cherry. But um, <laughs> but when when I um, when I have that when I indulge myself in those moments, yeah, it's um, it's just a slight concern that yeah. that presents itself. I think I'm concerned that I'm you know there might be one person that I pissed off during one of the episodes. And that was like one of the first episodes. Oh, you pissed off loads of people. Well, when we're, when we're, when we're calling them pieces of shit or we're, you know, being mean about them. No, we had the, we had the one that the, during Kimberly. Raymer. Raymer. Mm. When I called oh, out God, the person. Yeah. And I, I specifically said, because I said, there's no, there's no, well, officially there's no known suspects, but I called one person out specifically under my breath multiple times. You did. And I said, <laughs> multiple uh, and times. so I'd say stuff like, Okay, there are no non suspects, but da, 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 did it. He did it. He yeah. did it. He did it. He did it. <laughs> so that might be the only person that yeah. I might worry about. But he's probably the one that's most pissed off of you, I think. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds you fair. You don't care. You don't care. No. What's he going to do? <laughs> so I was thinking, looking at the questions that they'd kind of given us from listeners and people from CrimeCon, which I. I loved looking at the questions and I think it's it's really interesting seeing what people wanted to know. The one that I thought maybe we could all kind of give like a tip or something was the tips for anyone wanting to start their own true crime podcast. Mm. Yeah, that's because a good that one to end totally on. reminded yeah. me because I thought maybe it would be don't call out people. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. We could we could do that one. No. Like yeah, yeah, I thought that's quite a I really enjoyed that question when I was looking through. I thought that's a really great yeah. question. Like, yeah. what if somebody wants to start their own true crime? Did you guys talk to anybody before you started to ask for tips or did you just kind of I know your scenario is a bit different, say? 
a lot of people said to us, you two should do you two should do a podcast together. And we were like, oh, yeah, that would be so cool. And then then it just kind of happened. So I think, yeah, a lot of people did did say to us, we should do it. We didn't really, did we talk to anyone about doing it ourselves? I think we kind of just, we just mashed it up. Yeah, we did. I mean, but I have my friend who... We're not going to mention him because he well, never here. mentions us. What podcast do you guys listen to? The UK True Crime okay. and um, True, Crime True Crime Enthusiast. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, those okay. were the two that we properly... Yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, okay. All right, so my um, I went to high school with Nick and Captain from True Crime Garage, and so I've been friends with them. Oh yeah, I've been friends with them now for twenty some years now. Like me and Captain, we've all well, not always. Once I found out they actually had a podcast, we started talking true crime all the time, and he's given me you know help with setting up the podcast. He has given me tips, I mean, even unsolicited. Like we'll talk about basically the podcasting world and how things things work. And he was actually the guy that I was doing my previous show with. So it was me and Captain. Mm. And I think that kind of helped me doing Crimepedia with Cherry. So I think that was, that's been very beneficial. I think tips for somebody who's going to actually start a podcast, I think one you need to it's a lot of work work. it doesn't sound like it's a lot of work but it is a lot of work there's a lot of it doesn't come together in 20 minutes there's a lot of research that goes into this and I don't know about you guys but we talk every day like probably most of the day every day and it's usually about a case we've seen or something that's come up on a case we have done before and we found out new stuff and We've usually got multiple cases on the go. It's not just one at a time, 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. We've usually got a whole host of stuff going on. So mm. I would say a tip for somebody who's thinking of doing it, make sure that you, you've you got enough time to do it. Because yeah. once you start, it's it's mm. a lot of work. But it's fun. It is fun. It is fun. Yeah, I, I would say the same. I'd say, um, and I think the, sometimes the hardest thing is – is not really the research, but it's it's finding those cases that you want to research, right? So those cases that mm. that that you want to cover and can cover on the show. So it, like even the prep work of going through and finding potential cases is is a job in itself. And honestly, I mean, outside that, don't worry about things you can't control, right? Don't worry about the number of listeners you have. Don't worry about if you're ever going to be able to monetize it. If it's something that you love and something that you enjoy doing, do it. I mean that's the only reason. Yeah. That's the only reason you really need. Yeah. If you talk about true crime, mm. you love true true crime. You think that this is something that you want to do. Just do it and just do it for fun. Don't don't try to make it into your full time job. It's a hobby. It's not gonna. This mm. is not gonna be your your golden your, your golden goose. This is just gonna. This is something that you enjoy doing. This is something you love talking about. So just so do it. I would. Um, I would also say. Uh, consistency is really important. Mm. You've got to show up. Mm. Um, if you're saying you're putting an episode out every Wednesday like us, you've really got to do it. You can't mm. waver on that. You've got to um, you've got to be consistent with it and persistent. So just kind of plow through and and commit to it is is probably the best advice I could give because that's what I would tell myself. I think if if I was going back to the beginning, but particularly around what Cherry said, it's so true. This takes up a lot of time. And I've I've worked it out before, kind of roughly, and it does vary. But 
I would say for us to put a one one hour episode together, there is more than 20 hours of work, solid work that would sit behind that. Mm. Um, and, and when you're doing that every week, it's, it is a lot of work. Um, so yeah, you, you've got to be committed and you, you've got to show up for it, uh, for, for the listeners. I love all of that. That's so nice. <laughs> Thanks, mum. I think as well, like... <laughs> <laughs> mum says well done I think it's well like I just think you should have fun with it as well because if you're not enjoying yourself your listeners aren't going to enjoy listening to you mm. and it can be really really difficult because the subject matter and the cases that you're covering are not going to be enjoyable ever really because it's you're covering true crime but if you're it's so weird we always try and say like you can't say you enjoy it but but you do you you listen yeah. for a reason and your listeners need to know that you're not just reading from a script because you you want to put a show up you actually want to tell them this for a reason and you've got some passion behind you so I think that would Mm. be my other thing is make sure you're enjoying it because if you're not enjoying it there's no point in carrying on yeah yeah Mm. that's really true absolutely be yourself yeah that's I think that's very important you know being yourself when you're doing it don't try to be a character with our little expert tips (laughs) check us out Yeah, don't try to be um, something you're not when you're when you're recording and when mm-hmm. you tell my stories. You yeah. know, I've listened to shows where you can tell someone is is being a character, or they're trying to uh, have their show be a certain way, so they might they might talk very monotone, <laughs> sexy it up a bit. Yeah, just be yourself. And when you're talking, you're talking to your listeners, but your listeners are basically your friends. They're the people that are there each and every week for you. So just talk to them how you talk to anyone else. Mm. Don't try to be creepy. Agreed. No, no, I think I think that's a perfect note for us to end on. I think that's um, be authentic, be true to yourself and people will love it. Thanks for listening to this special episode. We will be at CrimeCon in London on September 25th and 26th. If you'd like to come, tickets are on sale now, so you can go to crimecon.co.uk and use the ticket code RED, R-E-D, to get 10% off your tickets. Hi angels, it's your girl Louise Rumble, and I'm the host of the Open House podcast. Therapy quite literally changed my life and sent me straight into my hot healing girl era. Now each week I share my story, the good, the bad and the downright juicy and chat with some of the world's best therapists, psychologists and wellness experts. From love, sex and dating to attachment styles, nervous system regulation, wellness hacks, hormone balancing and more, nothing is off the table. I've emptied my bank account on therapy and healing so you don't have to. So if you're ready to leave the past in the past and build the future you've always deserved, me and my favorite experts are waiting for you on the Open House podcast. Listen now wherever you stream your podcasts and I cannot wait to meet you.